0: Doctors' Opinion, Happy's new podcast series featuring leading medical minds and their thoughts on cosmetic trends and issues that are shaping the industry. With me today is Dr. Manish Shah, a board-certified plastic surgeon in Denver, Colorado. Dr. Shah graduated with honors from the University of Pennsylvania, receiving a degree in biomedical engineering. He then completed his medical training at the University of Virginia, earning his medical doctorate. During this time, he also completed a one-year fellowship in microsurgery research at NYU School of Medicine and the Institute of Reconstructive Plastic Surgery. As a prelude to his plastic surgery training, Dr. Shah completed a rigorous five-year training program in general and trauma surgery at Emory University and the Medical College of Georgia. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Shah. Thank you for having me. Oh, great. With with your background in plastic surgery is, well, uh, quite deep, I thought we could discuss um, more topical subjects today, specifically breaking down some of the latest skincare ingredients and actives. Uh, but first, what are some of the biggest issues facing your patients today? Well,
1: interestingly enough, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, you sure. know, patients nowadays they are uh, far more educated than they used to be a few years ago with the Internet and with social media. People are really seeing what might be possible for them, and so they're quite inquisitive when they come in. A lot of times the things that uh, are the uh, stumbling blocks for them are while they want these really amazing outcomes, they don't recognize that there's, you know, risk, there's serious downtime, and it's not necessarily um, as sugar-coated as, like, the media would make you Mm -hmm. think it is. And so when we... Have them in front of us in consultation. Oftentimes, we have to break down a lot of those misconceptions, uh, and then re-educate them about how to achieve, you know, safe but you know, long-lasting and high-quality outcomes. So when they come in, you know, they they need to know. Sometimes there's downtime. Sometimes there's bruising. Sometimes there's post-operative and post-procedural pain. And uh, if they're ready for all that, then they tend to do really, really well when they recover.
0: And how have the skin care issues um, changed during the years that you've been in practice?
1: Uh, same basic thing. You know, in, in the old days, we basically had a hammer for everything, and that was, you know, a big uh, laser called a carbon dioxide resurfacing laser, and it, it made amazing changes in people's faces but it had significant downtimes high rates of burn scar formation and high rates of hyperpigment or sorry I should say hyper or hypopigmentation problems and really you could only use it on caucasian patients now with more and more people you know getting in on the concept of uh, saving their faces over time you know we we find more and more technologies have come along and now more and more people are capable of getting treatments and even younger people are trying to do things to, to, to prevent wrinkles over time and prevent sun damage. And so we see more people using sunblocks. We see more people on Retin-A and vitamin C. We see more people coming in younger for things like Botox and Dysport. So this used to be the realm of people who waited until it was too late and then had to do a lot to make changes. Now people are talking about preservation or rejuvenation or even prejuvenation, which is getting the problem in control before the problem even starts showing on your face.
0: You mentioned, um, you know, putting on sunscreen on a regular basis. So turning to skin care, uh, what is the most important thing that patients can do for their skin?
1: Honestly, it's sunblock. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, we have, we're bombarded by all kinds of Chemicals and substances that age our DNA and damage our skin cells. And the most important factor that most people think about is UV radiation, which comes from sun exposure. Now. I live in Denver, and we have you know we have a high mountain uh, altitude, we're five thousand or a mile in the air, basically, right? And we have three hundred days of sunshine with little to no clouds in the sky. So we're closer to the sun and we are definitely being beaten down by the UV radiation. So when you see people in my practice, you can see young men and women in their 20s and 30s showing a lot more sun damage, um, than you would normally think for that age group. Mm -hmm. Plus, we have a four-season outdoor sporting environment, so people are exposed to the environment. So they age quicker. And one of the things they can do at least to help themselves out is put at least a 30 SPF, what we call physical block, not chemical block, but a physical block. I recommend a 50 here because I just think that there's more exposure and people are out and sweating it off, so they need to apply their sunblocks fairly routinely throughout throughout a busy sports day, maybe once or twice, a day when you're sitting in your office but that's the number one thing you can do uh, for your skin is just protect it
0: is there i heard you mention that you're more um, positive towards physical sunblocks rather than chemical sunblocks can you elaborate on that
1: yeah, so physical sunblocks are the ones that have the oxides in it. You remember, you know, you'd see the uh, the uh, lifeguard at the pool, and they have their nose all white with that sure. white uh, zinc oxide. Zinc oxide is, is a physical blockade. Now, there's a number of different uh, chemical types of physical blockades, but the beauty of them is they don't break down as soon as they touch the skin. So Most things that you think of, like a lot of those commercial brands, they're chemical sunblocks, and so not only does the chemical start to break down as soon as it touches your skin, and that's why the instructions are reapply frequently throughout the day, it's because the product doesn't really last, and the protective effect really doesn't last, the chemicals themselves, uh, uh, some people think, may be a little bit more toxic or at least irritating to the skin. So with physical blockade, those are just basically minerals, and you know, it's like rocks, essentially, but they're minerals that go on, and they physically reflect UV radiation like little mirrors on your skin, and so they last longer because they're not being processed. They're not necessarily chemicals in the traditional sense that as soon as they touch the skin, start breaking down to UV radiation. But they do have a uh, a limit, but their limit in terms of time that you have to go between reapplications is much better. So they, they do a better job of protecting the skin than chemical blockades.
0: Have you seen any type of complications from chemical sunscreens versus physical blocks? You
1: know, it's interesting. At this level of a practice, you know, all of our patients are on physical blocks, so we don't really have okay. that sometimes we have patients who who claim they've got uh, sensitive skin and they've tried all kinds of sunblocks. And in that case, that may be the sensitive skin. It may be the chemicals themselves, but in our practice, everybody's on physical blockade. And if they're not, when they come to me, they become, you know, uh, mm. devotees of the concept of using a good physical block.
0: Aside from sun care actives, what other actives are shaping uh, your practice right now?
1: You know, we break them down basically into concepts like uh, the retinols, um, of which retin A, retinoic acid, uh, retinal. Those are those are options. We like vitamin C and maybe topical antioxidants like vitamin E and ferulic acid. And then you've got proponents of things called growth factors. So if I was to look at how skin care goes in my practice, those are the three basic sort of anti-aging products. Outside of that, you've got a group of patients that come in and they're complaining, that they're complaining about uh, primary redness. So like you've got a, a blonde-haired, blue-eyed female, she's in her 50s, skin's already thin to begin with because of that, you know, that complexion type test in her skin. As they get older, the skin gets thinner and the blood vessels are easier to see. So they come in complaining about red patches on the face. We have topicals that help suppress the blood supply in the blood vessels so that they get reduced redness. Then you've got another group of people, especially with my practice that has a lot of skin of color in it, we have people who have uh, melasma or hyperpigmentation, and for that we've got a skin care system that basically helps reduce pigment. Now you pretty much any woman you ask that has some level of pigmentation she doesn't like may have tried something and the most common chemical that people use for pigment control is something called hydroquinone and so a lot of skin care a lot of skin care both uh, over the counter um, and at your doctor or dermatologist's office you know can be hydroquinone hydroquinone containing and that helps bleach and blend things and so you get you know the ultimate goal is to get a cleaner um, palette of the skin that might not even need that much makeup to to beautify, maybe just a little lipstick, a little uh, eyeliner, and maybe the tiniest bit of tinted sunscreen or tinted moisturizer. Because I think when I speak to most women, now I, this may not be the case in other parts of the country, but here in Denver we have a, uh, a population of women that want to keep things relatively simple. Uh, and so for them, they would rather not have tremendous amounts of makeup. They, they, they take a more natural um Eye towards beauty here, but you see plenty of women that just love their makeup and you know you know jive off of those youtube makeup t- tutorials and come in sure. with just just beautiful makeup, but a lot of women are like that, and so we try to get the best skin you possibly can, and all of those different things that i've mentioned can be part of a regimen um, to get that skin where you need it to be
0: can you elaborate a little bit on that what when you talk about uh, skin caring regimen is there you know, something obviously more that people aren't using soap and water anymore. What would you recommend people do to to get better-looking skin? You
1: know, uh, it, when we're younger, um, you know, there's three layers to the skin. So you've got the epidermis, which is the outer layer that's the part that we look at in the mirror. You've got the dermis, which is the thick layer that's underneath that. That is our strength. And when that dermis starts to thin out, you start seeing animation, deformities, wrinkles, you know, fine lines, that sort of thing. Um, and then below that's the fat. And so, obviously, as we get older, you know, it's harder to get keep that fat off, but people try their best not to gain weight, and they look a little gaunt. You know, having a little volume in the face is important. But for the skin itself, you want to polish that outside. And a great polish for that that's very, very simple to use is a topical vitamin C. Vitamin C is ascorbic acid. It is both anti-inflammatory, and it basically micro-peels your face off with a little almost vitamin C chemical peel every night that you put it on. And so you get brighter skin with less red reflections, and it can be a very, very nice look. It gives your skin sort of a satiny sheen to it that works the outside of the skin, from the outside to the inside. What I love to do is complex the two, uh, and that second thing being retin-A or retinols. Now, retinols are vitamin A derivatives, and what they do is they speed up the cell turnover down in that deeper layer called the dermis. And when the dermis is old, it starts to thin out. And when the Epidermis is old, it starts to get thick. So you get brown spots and you get those funny surface textural irregularities and little, you know, whatever, little lesions on the skin, a brown, you know, liver spots, that sort of sure. thing. What we want to do is reverse that. We want the epidermis to get thinner, and so you polish it from the outside and then you increase the speed of your cell turnover back to when you were in your 20s. When you're young, your cells turn over basically every 28 days in the skin, something like that. As we get older, it becomes 45 days and 60 days and so on and so forth. And that means that dead tissues and bad tissues are just kind of heaping up there. The retinol basically shoves all that stuff to the surface and we basically push it off every time we wash our face. So you get a thicker dermis, which is a healthy dermis and you get a thinner epidermis and so you get and which is a healthy epidermis so it makes for younger thicker more buoyant you know plump skin so i love doing that so i recommend to my patients typically monday wednesday friday night retinols and then tuesday thursday saturday vitamin C. They can certainly wear vitamin C under the makeup in the mornings as well for that extra brightening uh, under their, their, the color that they put on their face. But the nighttime regimen is really the best time because we are, our bodies are already naturally repairing when we sleep. So you might as well be repairing your body when you sleep and repairing your skin when you sleep. And it's a good time to de- you know, detoxify the skin, uh, get the oils off, get good penetration of the actives in your serums at night because your body's more apt to want to use those serums to do the repair work.
0: Now, you've mentioned a lot about um, vitamin C and retinols. Are there, are there any OTC treatments or products that you recommend um, to your patients? Yeah, patient? actually
1: Yeah, actually there you know, there's there's a number of good lines out there that you can you can get online. Um, you know, the retinol product that I find very effective and it actually has a uh, white paper journal backing. It's the Olay Regenerist Pro-X series. Um, It has a little bit of a polish, it has a little bit of retinol, so you get sort of a mechanical exfoliation on the top, which is kind of like acting like the vitamin C, but then it has a small retinol. Now, retinol is about 1,000 times weaker than Retin-A, and what it does is gets absorbed through the skin, and it gets converted, so it's a very, very gentle Retin-A, and it takes much, much longer to see the difference, and that's the difference between, you know, Um, medical-grade actives at your doctor's office, and OTC products. OTCs have got to work on everybody. So, of course, the companies keep them as weak as necessary to get some improvements, but really keep the risk of complications and complaints from the random patient trying an OTC down to a minimum.
0: So you've mentioned um, Olay and and some active ingredients. Is there anything that's um, lacking in today's market that you think uh, formulators and there's raw material suppliers should be considering?
1: Well, you know, I think the frontier we're in right now is the concept of stem cells, or, you know, growth factors in stem cells. And you have a number of companies out there that are putting these plant-based stem cells and fruit stem cells. They have no biological connection to humans, the only type of stem cells that might work on humans would be human-based stem cells, fibroblastic growth factors, things like that, that are derived from human tissues, Uh, you know, um, bone marrow and blood and uh, neonatal uh, cells that can be replicated and used both in injection form and in topical form on humans, because human tissues have to recognize human... uh, Tissue analogs, as we as we say, so I don't understand when people put out fruit type and you know plant type growth factors and stem cells in their products. I don't. I think that's disingenuous, and they really, if they're going to do it, they should do it properly, or get a medical line in their company and, and and do it the right way, so that people aren't paying extra for something that actually doesn't do anything for them. So that's the that's the downside of what's going on. You know, I think for the upside and what they could be doing is certainly they could be simplifying their formulations, but the problem is these formulations have to have very, very long shelf lives, and so they've got a lot of extra chemicals that are in there that are... like, you know, like, dubious for anti-aging purposes, but they're there for more shelf-like purposes, like, you know, parabens and pegs and glycol and all that sort of stuff. You know, getting that stuff as free as possible of inflammatory topicals is the best thing you can do. I mean, you need just the basic stuff on your skin, and you need a good... Scrub, you know, like a Clarisonic skin brush or maybe one of those uh, Neutrogenous spin brushes, something that's going to make a difference because it is not necessarily the product that's the issue. It is the, com- the compliance of patients. And the one thing I noticed a long time ago when I first started this, and I-, I have my own skincare line, but the first time I noticed is I would have patients coming in and they were like, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this. And the first question I asked is, how long did you try it? And I-, I-, I didn't see any changes after a month. Well, collagen regeneration takes six months. And you need to make sure that you have, you know, used the proper amount of time before you determine that something doesn't work because it could work for you. Even the OTCs could work for you because I have a lot of patients that are very happy with their OTCs. They're no different, you know, but the point is is that I think some people jump around from product to product, they expose themselves to multiple things and they get a reaction and they don't know what to do and then they get confused. And it's like a jigsaw puzzle. We have to put it all back together for them to find something that's very simplistic that is com- that's something they'll be compliant with because a lot of problems with good skin care is lack of compliance, less than really int- the, the product itself.
0: Sure. That's interesting you say that because when you hear about the test, it's usually a 28-day test and you're you're saying it takes often six months for for them to see real results
1: yeah because you're talking about regenerative results versus photographic results, and you can put chemicals in there like silicones, the silicates that can tighten that skin, and you're like, Okay, I noticed noticeably firmer skin. Well, what does that mean? You know do you have a tensometer on there, and are you actually or a durometer and you're checking the skin's tension? No, it's just how does your skin feel to them and was it because it had a dehydrating caffeine in it well, caffeine only works temporarily you can you need to see, the only time you know things are going well is when you're actually spending time and letting your body do the regenerative work. You feed it the chemicals or feed it the products it needs, and it will perform. It's like an athlete. You can't let an athlete sit and eat, you know, uh, 2,500 calories a day when they're not training, but you can have to eat 4,000 calories a day if they can. I mean, if they're training. So if, uh, if you're not stressing your skin out, if you're not pushing it, then you're not going to make changes. That's what good skin care is. It's pushing the skin to make its changes. But just like an athlete, it's got to be trained into that good, pretty skin.
0: Well, that is certainly food for thought. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Shaw. You've been listening to The Doctor's Opinion, Happy's new podcast series devoted to the latest news in skin care.